Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest uh, Norman Alex uh, podcast. And it's my great pleasure to introduce uh, Jeff Grout. So Jeff is somebody I actually used to work with uh, when I was the country manager of uh, France for the recruitment company, Robert Half. And Jeff was a country manager for the UK. So Jeff had a lot more people to manage, but I had a lot more hair. Now, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, I've still got a bit more hair, but uh, not as much as I used to have uh, 25 or 30 years ago. So when Jeff uh, left the company, uh, Robert Half, he became a motivational speaker and a business coach and very well known in the UK. And I thought it'd be very useful to have a bit of a discussion about leadership in challenging times because the last few years have been quite challenging and also looking at what makes um, a great leader and how to build great teams. So Jeff, perhaps you can start off by introducing yourself. Well, I think you've probably done that very well on my behalf already, but uh, uh, I'm a, um, uh, a business speaker, coach uh, and uh, consultant. I uh, work with a range of companies, uh, mainly in the UK, but some uh, overseas. And uh, I'm a business author. I've spoken at a number of business schools uh, as well as companies like um, uh, Amazon, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, uh, BT, um, British Airways. Um, and these days, my focus is primarily on people and performance. And I know you've interviewed a lot of people and some very famous people like Richard Branson. Are there any people that you've interviewed, and I'm sure there are, who particularly impressed you in terms of their leadership drive and their leadership qualities and if so, can you explain a little bit why? Yeah, I mean, um, I've interviewed probably more than 100 uh, business leaders from um, sports, uh, business, uh, the military. Um, one of the leaders that really stood out for me uh, was the former director general of the BBC, uh, Greg Dyke. Right. And um, Greg, uh, very much uh, an authentic leader. He had the confidence to be himself, approach the, the things in his way. Um, he was really focused on how important it was for the leader to communicate and take every opportunity in terms of communication. And he said something which uh, has stuck with me ever since. He said, leaders must first listen to earn the right to be heard. And of course, what he's actually saying is uh, in organisations, it's uh, communication that's the glue that binds the organisation together. But good communication is two-way. And what I found is that great leaders go to great lengths to create opportunities for dialogue, uh, opportunities to have uh, a conversation with people on the, on the front line. And any other people, you mentioned the sports world, anybody in the sports world in particular who comes to mind? Well, as you know, I work very closely with um, Sir Clive Woodward at the time that England won the Rugby World Cup in Australia. Um, with Clive, I'd say Clive uh, was the architect of a high-performance environment. He recognised that uh, uh, he had to bring the team together, whether that be the, the coaching team or the team itself. And he also recognised that success is not just down to leadership, it's also down to teamship. So, for example, when he took over as England rugby coach back in 1997, he met his players for the first time at a place called Bisham Abbey. And uh, Clive is pretty much a stickler for time, as I am. 
and it's his first day in the job. It's uh, 10 o'clock when the meeting's due to start and no one's there. Over the next 10 to 15 minutes, uh, players arrive in dribs and drabs, the vast majority of them on their mobile phones. He waited patiently until they were all there and then he got up and he set out his vision for the England rugby team. And that was to win the Rugby World Cup. And in that presentation, he talked about world-class performance, world-class standards. And he finished his presentation by saying that um, uh, if England were to win the Rugby World Cup, they would have to operate as one team. And also, he wanted them to develop their own codes of behaviour. And uh, the first two codes of behaviour he, he uh, developed was one about um, uh, punctuality, and secondly, about the use of mobile phones, because most of the players arrived with their mobile phones earlier. Uh, the players came back with their recommendation. Their recommendation was henceforward, uh, every meeting, uh, the players would be in their seats, ready to go, 10 minutes before the meeting was due to start. And they called this Lombardi time after the American football coach, Vince Lombardi. Their recommendation in terms of uh, mobile phones was the mobile phone should only be in the player's bedroom or the player's car. And the point that Woodward would have made, had he at that first meeting said, everyone's got to be 10 minutes early, uh, your mobile phones are banned, he'd have lost everybody. A group of grown men would have been saying, you're treating us like children. Um, so from that point on, he developed other teamship rules where the team themselves took accountability and ownership and therefore mm. they had control of those rules. So relatively small details, being on time and not having mobile phones, but they, they did win the World Cup. So they must have had good players as well. And just to move back to the corporate world, Jeff, do great companies breed or make great leaders? You mentioned Amazon, you mentioned Facebook. I mean, these are incredibly successful companies founded by incredibly successful multi-multi-billionaires. But do they breed good management principles and good managers or leaders? I would say not necessarily. Um, in as much as these organisations, as you say, they have very charismatic leaders um, in terms of the CEO position. Is Jeff Zuckerberg uh, uh, charismatic? Well, maybe not, maybe not him. Maybe he's the exception because you haven't got to be a raging extrovert to be uh, a good leader. Uh, there are different ways of leading. And as I said earlier, one of the things that I think singled out Greg Dyke was his authenticity. And I think good leaders are authentic. They, they, they approach it their way. Uh, some are outgoing, some are very confident, some are quite shy. Uh, you mentioned my interview with Richard Branson. Yes. Uh, I found him totally charming, but he was definitely nervous uh, of the interview. I was interviewing him in front of uh, an audience of more than a thousand people. And at the end of the interview, he gave me something of a man hug and said, was that okay? So he had, again, Pretty surprising. of humility about him. I think what good leaders are good at is recruiting people around them that actually compensate for maybe some of their own inadequacies. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think maybe they are better at recruiting leaders for the organization rather than maybe developing leaders. And a good interviewer should get names right. And I did say Jeff Zuckerberg instead of Mark Zuckerberg. So 
I would like to to come back to that. Uh, and Jeff, we talked about difficult times for so leadership in difficult times and challenging times at the beginning. Obviously, with COVID, the war in Ukraine, the last three years have been very difficult. To talk about COVID in particular, what, what impact did COVID and remote or hybrid working have on the uh, the skills necessary to lead and to manage teams? Well, I think some managers find it difficult leading a team when they're all together in the same office. Yeah, uh, you're quite right. So with uh, home working, it would create a challenge for um, for, for, for for many leaders. Um, but I was, I think heartened by the fact that many leaders responded very quickly, recognizing the need to create a sense of inclusion, uh, to connect people. And uh, yes, um, companies made use of Teams and Zoom uh, to communicate more effectively. But I think they recognized that they needed to check in with their people as opposed to checking up on their people. And I would say um, many organizations, their level of communication improved during the pandemic because of the recognition of the need to try and get people to connect together, to network together. And you mentioned Greg Dyke and the BBC. I mean, the BBC as an institution wouldn't be quoted by many people in terms of great leadership and great management and great communication, certainly at the moment. Do you have examples of companies that really impress you in terms of a leadership? When I was young, it was General Electric. They seem to have lost their, lost their way a little bit. Which are the companies in today's world that really impress you in terms of leadership and management? Well, the reality, you're, you're quite right in saying that um, uh, we go through different phases in terms of what is a good company. You mentioned GE and Jack Welsh. Uh, at one stage in the UK, Marks and Spencer was yeah. held to be a, a great organisation. So they sort of wax and wane. Um, I think there is a, a demand by many younger people to work for tech businesses. Uh, but I think there are, are companies in other fields far less glamorous. Uh, they might be in um, waste disposal or whatever, that are extremely well run. Um, and they've got leaders that recognize they have a responsibility to take people on a journey. Uh, and if that journey is somewhere where it is first class and five star, they'll take people with them. So I, I, I think sometimes we can look outside some of these glamorous tech businesses at other organizations where there are really well honed leadership skills. And just coming back to uh, recruitment, which is something you've mentioned, and it's the area where we both worked for quite a long time. What is the importance of uh, recruitment in developing strong teams and how should you go about recruitment? Well, I think it's probably the starting point. If you're going to um, have the best people on the team, you've got to go out and recruit the best. So I think the first thing is that uh, companies have to be cognizant of the fact if they are to recruit the best, first they need to win the attraction game. And I would say nowadays, recruitment is as much about attraction as it is about selection. Uh, in terms of what they're looking for, I would say one should be very focused on attitude as, as much as ability. I think a mistake that many um, senior leaders make is they recruit largely looking at skills, qualifications and experience. Uh, and I believe that in any job, the difference between competent and being excellent is much more to do 
with attitude and behavior, the level of commitment they might bring to an organization. Um, do they fit in uh, in terms of the culture? Um, and also, to what extent do we understand the value system of the candidates? For two reasons. One, if we understand their values, uh, they're more likely to fit into our culture if they have the right set of values. And also, if we understand someone's values, we can almost predict their behavior. And consequently, this is an area which I believe that uh, um, many leaders need to spend more time exploring rather than just looking at skills, qualifications and experience. And in my experience, uh, there are some very good leaders who are very bad interviewers and maybe the qualities that made them great leaders may be being disagreeable, being egocentric, a bit sociopathic are not the best qualities to be a good interviewer where you need perhaps more empathy and to listen more. Do, do you share that view? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, leaders talk too much. Uh, during the interview, yep. they talk too much about the organization, they talk too much about themselves. Whereas here's an opportunity to gain evidence about previous job performance. Uh, so no, I, I quite, quite agree. And just another thing I come across, I, I recruit a lot in private banking, which is quite similar to recruitment. So you, you have a team. And obviously within that team, there are different performers, some who are very successful, some who are less successful. But very often in recruitment and private banking or any sales position, when you have to recruit a team leader because the team leader retires or goes on to another position or or leaves, the, the tendency is to take the best producer and make him the team leader. And very often the consequence is the, the new team leader's revenue will fall and maybe the revenue of the team will fall. And you're not the best manager or leader because you're the best uh, producer. But on the other hand, if you appoint someone as team leader who's not a good producer or not the best producer, he or she can lack credibility with their ex-peers. How would you go around solving that conundrum? Well, first of all, it's uh, the example you give is a very, very common example where yeah. we take our best sales leader and we put them into a management role. And invariably, uh, they move into a management role because it's their way of um, uh, getting promoted within their organization. Uh, what we need to do is to look at what are the competencies that we require in a manager? And therefore, does this salesperson have those competencies? And in many cases, they won't, because uh, to be a successful salesperson, it's about focus, focus on their own desk, focus on yeah. the clients. It, to a certain extent, it's about being um, uh, what's the word? Uh, protective of those clients. Whereas someone in a leadership role, above all else, has to be generous. Generous in their time, generous in their support. And therefore, very, very few successful sales leaders will make that transition into um, a, a suitable um, management role. Uh, I agree. And one last question, uh, Jeff, because we have to wind up now. We've both been in this business for a long time, in spite of the fact we both look very young. <laughs> How have leadership and management qualities evolved over the last few decades that we've been um, in, in, in the workplace? Well, I think certainly uh, in those early days, then I think command and control, almost the, the mm -hmm. military approach to leadership was, was pretty widespread. Uh, and therefore, you did something because your boss 
told you to. And therefore, there was a level of influence due to that authority the boss had. Uh, nowadays, it's much more about collaboration, about cooperation. And what do younger people in the workplace need from uh, a, a leader? Uh, and nowadays, it's much more about someone being supportive, someone being a guide, someone letting go, um, somebody who, um, in a sense, makes it clear in terms of what they're looking for and then giving autonomy. So I think this changed quite a lot. And nowadays, force of personality, force of will won't make you a successful leader. It's very much about listening, supporting and guiding. But when I look at the new generation, the so-called Generation Z, I, a lot of them have decided that they don't want to work as much as uh, previous uh, generations. They're very autonomous. They're very attached to their personal life and to traveling. How do you see management evolving in the future when you have to manage people like that if they are actually in the workplace? Well, I think sometimes we talk too much in terms of generalizations. There are certain mm. issues, as you say, in terms of Generation Z. I don't think it's widespread necessarily. Um, I think the difference is, is they don't expect to stay with one company, that's for sure. They believe that they are in control or in charge of their own career, not, a, not a, an anonymous company of some kind. And uh, therefore, I think they want a, a, a greater mix, as you say, of work-life balance, because many of these people are, the, are sons and daughters who believe that we pay too high a price for our success. So yes, they want a career, but also they want a life to go along with it. And uh, a good leader is someone who's flexible, uh, someone who's adaptable to meet the needs of their team. And consequently, the first thing is to find out what each team member needs from them. And then once they've done that, then they'll probably be offering a lot of different approaches in order to get the best out of their people. So coming back to communication, listening and empathy. Yeah, as Greg Dyke said, leaders must first listen to earn the right to be heard. Okay, well, look, thanks very much for that valuable advice. It was great to catch up with you and uh, speak with you again. And um, I hope that we will meet up in uh, sunny London in the next uh, few weeks. Well, that'd be very good. And I wish you every success for the remainder of 2023 going into 2024 and beyond. Thank you very much, Jeff. Speak to you soon. Bye. Best.